Good morning, everyone. My name is Shelly Zulsdorf, and I am now the Associate Pastor of Student Ministry, which is exciting. I know, so fun. Uh, stepping into it, it's exciting. I'm also super excited for VBS. That's why I'm rocking my shirt to be twinsies with Ben and Jeff. Woo, let's go. Something, it's just so exciting. Our church is just gonna be full of life. Thanks, Linda. Um, this week with kids running around and students helping, it is just gonna be so, so sweet. Um, well, we are jumping into, uh, last week Ben started us in our Summer in the Scriptures series, uh, where we are looking at good news in the Old Testament. And we're doing this because sometimes the Old Testament can feel a little confusing, it can feel a little daunting, it can feel like, what's happening in these stories? And I'm excited that we're doing this because I actually love the Old Testament. I'm probably one of those weirdos that's like, oh, give me more of that. Like, instead of like studying Greek for the New Testament, I'm like, no, I want to study Hebrew. I want Rhea to teach me Hebrew, which she knows that um, fluently. And so I am excited that we're doing this so we can understand more these stories in the Old Testament and how Jesus' life and ministry, ministry brings us a deeper understanding and also a more fulfillment of what these messages mean. He fulfills the stories that we see in the Old Testament. And so last week, Ben Kearns, he talked about Genesis 3, and he talked about how God is God's loving care. He has care and sacrifice for rebellious people. And among all that rebellion, he talked about how then Jesus entered in and was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and how we get forgiveness in that. And I want to look at this morning how among all that rebellion in the world, God enters in and he starts his redemptive plan with a promise. And he starts it, and so we're going to look at this promise in Genesis 12. So if you want to hop over to Genesis 12, you can do that. I'm not going to jump in there quite yet because before we talk about this promise, I want us to sit with our own understanding of what a promise is. Um, because promises are part of our everyday life. We make promises to our families, to our friends, to our work. Um, we make promises when we do activities, like you sign us terms and conditions, and that's a promise um, that you won't sue them. Um, but we make promises all the time. It's part of our daily life. So we have, let's see, we have small promises, like you'll show up for appointments, your doctor's appointments. You say, yep, I'll be there. They even now send you reminders, right? Will you be there, yes or no? And you say, yes, I'll be there. Then there's also like small promises, like you RSVP to a birthday party, and you're like, I'm going to show up to that. I'll be at your birthday party. Then we also have big promises. We have big promises where you say, gosh, I'll pay these bills. Uh, you have big promises where you say, I'll take care of um, the kids that God has given me. And you also, if you've gotten married, you make vows that you will love and care and cherish for the person that God um, has brought into your life. And so we have these different big and small promises. You, even if you're a parent, you make promises to get people to do things, right? So you have the promises where you go, if you eat your dinner or your vegetables, I will give you ice cream, right? So we make promises all the time, whether it's we're going to do something or we need someone to do things. But if we're honest, we're not always reliable when it comes to our promises. We're not always um, good at keeping the promises we have, whether it's because uh, we didn't realize the gravity of what that promise would mean. We didn't realize what it would take to actually live out that promise. So we say we would do something, but then we're like, ooh, I actually didn't know that it meant I had to do this. Or you maybe decide you're like, oh, okay, like I, I make this promise, and you go, oh, change my mind. I don't want to do that 
that promise anymore. And you decide that you just don't want to do it anymore. And this is part of our brokenness, part of us being humans is we sometimes are really good at keeping promises and then sometimes we're a little bit unreliable. I think about this um, because I think about it with like when you have a young couple that is making wedding vows, right? They're so joyful. They're so in love. They're so giddy. Like they will say yes to anything, right? They will make vows and promises. Like they make vows, promises that say for better, for worse, for sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. Like those are big vows. And as a young couple, you're like, yes, I will do that. I'm all in but they really have no clue what that actually means. For poorer, for sickness, like for wor- like worse? Like, do you understand the sacrifice it takes to say yes to those vows? And many times couples, they have no idea, but they're so excited and so in love that they'll say yes to anything. But it, when it comes down to it, they struggle with it and they have to wrestle through the rest of their marriage of what those vows actually mean and what that me- takes to live that out. And I need us to understand our understanding of promises and how sometimes we're good at it and sometimes we're not because we don't really fully understand sometimes the promises that we give. But when we look at God, God gives promises and he fully knows what he's promising. God fully knows what he's promising and he knows what it takes for that promise to come through. He knows what he has to do in order for that promise to be true. So we can't look at God's promises and be like, maybe it'll come out. Like his promises are what we get to lean into to go, nope, God knows what he's promising and he knows what it takes for that to happen. And so this morning, I want us to look at this promise in Genesis 12, this promise that God gives to Abraham and this promise that is starting this new redemptive plan that God is going to work through one nation, through one people to bring his blessing to the world. So let's read Genesis 12, one through three. It said, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we see this promise of blessing given to Abram, later named Abraham, um, and his descendants. And like I said, this marks this new beginning of what God's going to do in our world, this redemptive plan that he has. And he's elected this one family to be blessed by him to then be a blessing to the world. Now, when I read this, I really struggle with it because I go, gosh, why this one family? Like, why Abraham, why did you choose this one family? Because there's other people that were on this world, in this world. There are other nations around. There's other people groups and communities, but yet God is saying, I'm going to bless you. I go, gosh, God, what what about everyone else? Everyone else around Abraham, what about them? And so I want us to look at, because there's a purpose that God has. His plan in this has never just been to bless Abraham. We read right away his plan has always been to bless all people. But he's using Abraham and his descendants to bring this blessing. And so we see, when we read this passage, we see that God's promise to Abraham, the promise that I will bless you, is a promise that comes with a privilege and a responsibility. 
a privilege and a responsibility. See, the privilege that Abraham gets is that God is going to physically give him some blessing. He's going to physically give him land and descendants because that's how you make a nation. That's how you make a people group coming together. And so the, the nation of Israel will come about, and this will be God's chosen people that will be a blessing to others. But the true blessing that's actually happening and what God's saying when he's saying, I will bless you, is what he's saying is, I will be with you, you will be my people, and I will walk alongside you. He's saying the blessing I'm going to give you is we are going to have this intimate relationship together. We are going, I'm going to choose you to start with, to create, have this intimate relationship that I will teach you my ways I will teach you my love. I will teach you the weight of what has happened in our rebellious world. I will teach you my care for the world, my intentions for creation. So no other nation will know me like you know me. And that's a privilege that they were given. They were blessed with that privilege to go, gosh, we get to know right away something different. We get to know Yahweh, the one true God in an intimate relationship. But God doesn't just stop when he says, I will bless you. There's a clear call and a clear responsibility that he puts on the Israelites, on Abraham and his descendants. See, the election of blessing is not to be kept to themselves, but it's to intentionally be used to bless all the people on the earth. And I think um, we need to know that God here is not at all, when he's choosing this one group, being exclusive. He's not choosing to be exclusive. He's choosing to use one group to intentionally raise them up, teach them his ways so that they can go out and share with others so that they may pour out to others the blessing that they have known, that they have intentionally spent time with God to know. And I think of this like when you get an education, right? You go to get an education, you get all this knowledge and experience. And when I finished my master's, our professor said um, that receiving an education is a privilege, but use it wisely, and I think what he was trying to say is he was trying to say that when you get an education, you receive um, whatever kind of education that you get. You receive knowledge and experience on a certain topic. You get the, the blessings of being able to grow in that and take time to grow in whatever topic it is that you're focusing on. But at the end of the day, that knowledge, that understanding, that experience is not supposed to be used to lord it over people. It's not supposed to be used to be a jerk. It's supposed to be a gift. It's a gift that, that you have received, and now you get to bless others with that knowledge and experience. You get to go out into the world and take what you've learned, and you get to be a blessing. And that's what I feel like is happening here when God's promising that I will bless you to Abraham. Is he saying, I'm going to give you privilege where you're going to know who I am. You're going to be my chosen people. But you're going to know who I am. You're going to experience my good news, my truth the ways that I want you to walk so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can be my representatives to the world. But in this responsibility, God is asking them to walk faithfully and blamelessly in his ways. God is asking them to, to try on and to, to live out his ways that are way different from the world, to live out the, his path that he wants us to live. And so when we read the rest of the Old Testament, that's what part of what we're reading is we're reading God teaching them his ways. God, in the Old Testament, we're seeing that God's giving them the laws to say, okay, okay, you're a people group. Here's, here's how the world's functioning. Here's how I want you to function. 
Here's what it means to walk with me faithfully and blamelessly. Now we have the sin issue. I need you to know it's, it's big. It's a big deal for me. So here's how we're going to sacrifice. Here's how, we're gonna, how forgiveness is going to work. And, so, and then you have encounters with the different nations and how they are going to interact with them and even fight with them. And what's interesting is we read this passage and it says that I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And we see throughout, whenever you read the Old Testament, you see that God's mercy is actually still for all the people. And you see that when you read any nation that that looks and turns to the Lord and turns away from their paths, God has mercy for them. Any ones that, got, that reject completely God and fight against it, there's judgment because God is trying to both push them back to him. God wants them to know that I am the one true God. And so all of that is happening in the Old Testament. They are supposed to be God's representatives so that others may know that God is the one true God who can bless you and he wants an, a relationship with us. But we have to understand when we read the Old Testament, the Israelites are everyday people like you and me. And so they aren't very good on their promises. They go wayward. They say, yes, we're going to be faithful and blameless. And then they turn the other way and they worship other gods or they do things against what God wants them to do because they're just like us. Sometimes we're reliable and sometimes we're not and so even though, and that, that's why I love if you read the prophetic books, the prophetic books, like you have Isaiah, you have Jeremiah, you have Micah, like they are always, their goal is to turn the people back to the Lord. No, 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 you're missing it again. Turn back to the Lord. They're trying to guide us back to the Lord because they know that we miss it. But even among their rebelliousness, even among um, their mistakes, God is still faithful in his promises. God is still faithful to say, I will bless you. And through that blessing, I will bless all people, all the nations. And so what we see is if you go to Matthew 1, if you want to just flip over that and just look at that, just look at Matthew 1. I'm not going to read it because Matthew 1 shows us that through the line of Abraham, through Abraham's descendants, we get the ultimate perfect blessing. And I don't ever want you to miss out on genealogies in uh, the Bible. They're really boring. I get that. Like, they go, some of them for chapters. Like, you're like, Lord, have mercy. Help us read this. But they're so good because they're showing you the story of God and how he is working through people. And in this Matthew one, especially, if you read it, you read it slowly to look at all the different stories of where God has been faithful and God is working. But at the end of the day, he gave this promise to Abraham. And then through that, through his descendants, we get Jesus. And Jesus perfectly fulfills the Abrahamic promise. What the Israelites could not fully do, Jesus does perfectly. And I love how Paul explains this later in Galatians 3.14. And if you're going to do the summer in the scriptures reading plan with us, I'm going to have you read the whole thing um, later this week. But it says here, he, it says in verse 14, he, being Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So God sent his one and only son, Jesus, as the one to perfectly fulfill what it means to be blessed by God. Jesus was the only one who could perfectly walk with faithfulness and blamelessly. 
He could perfectly live out what it means to be in this blessed relationship with God, what it means then to pour that out to others. So Jesus fully got the privilege of what it means, of what this blessing means. Like Jesus, fully man, fully God, was in this perfect relationship with God. And so he was in this perfect relationship. And also because he walked on this earth, he was able to show empathy to each and every one of us. He was able to look at us in our stories and could walk alongside our brokenness. And so Jesus took the ultimate responsibility. He goes, gosh, I want to bless this world. God promised blessing to all the nations. And so Jesus hung on the cross and died. He sacrificed his life. He took the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate responsibility of what this takes to bless others. And he brought forgiveness and freedom so that you and I could have this intimate relationship with God, so that we then could be grafted into this promise that was given to Abraham, so that we could be a part of being blessed and then pouring out that blessing. But I was, I was sitting in, these, uh, in this scripture and trying to understand, okay, Jesus, like the Israelites, you started with them, but then you moved to Jesus. And I wanted to understand it a little bit more. The the best way that I could understand the difference in this blessing is um, with the difference between uh, watering your plants with a watering can versus a drip irrigation. And so um, I have been on a many-year adventure with gardening. Rudy is helping me, encouraging me, because he's a great gardener. Um, but one thing you should know is every year I end up killing plants. Um, it's apparently part of the learning process and the practice. Um, but I recently discovered why it is that it's not working. And part of it is I use a watering can. And the big thing about a watering can is it relies fully on you. It relies on you, thanks Rudy, I appreciate you're like, yep. It relies on you to show up and to water your plants. It relies on you to remember to go out and water your plants. It relies on you to not go on vacation or to find someone as a substitute to water the plants. But everything that you do, it relies fully on you knowing how to do it and what to do. And so, and if you don't do it properly, like I just water from the top and I just soak it for a really long time. But if you're watering from the top, you all of a sudden are, are providing a space for your leaves to um, have diseases because they're not supposed to be getting the water like that. You're also could be overwatering. Like that's my problem is I tend to overwater, which means you're causing all these issues for the roots and the plant isn't able to fully grow. And so watering with a can, with a can you either um, overwater or you don't and you forget. And either way, the plant is struggling because there's an inconsistency in the watering. But the beauty of farmers is they figured out drip irrigation. I know you're all like, we're not farmers, but I am, so I'm sharing with it. Um, the drip irrigation is this beautiful invention that they came up with where you place it at the base of a plant and then slowly over time it adds water. It's slow and it's continuous adding soil to the water. And what's amazing about it is it's not getting on your leaves and it's also continuously doing it slowly over time, and so it goes deeper and deeper. It allows your roots to, to settle in deep. It allows your plant to have a continuous source of nutrients. And so, and also, what I find is so interesting, because I'm like, well, that sounds like a waste of water, like it's continuously happening. But they, they actually say in a drought season, it's better for you to have drip irrigation than it is for you to be watering with a can, because it's more sustainable. And so I think what's significant when I look at this is like Jesus is like our drip irrigation. 
Like in the blessing that he gives, he is continuously and working in our lives over and over, slowly but surely. It doesn't rely on our human efforts. It doesn't rely on what we can or cannot do. The blessing is purely on what he has done and what he's continuing to do in our lives. It's on the transformation that he is doing in each of our lives, not on what we are doing, which is what the Israelites, was. it was based a lot on what they were able to do or not do. So now the blessing through Jesus is continuously entering into our world, transforming our lives not based on what we do. And so I see God's blessing, his son dying on the cross, rising again, being in our lives, is a deeper and more intimate blessing than ever before because it lasts forever. And so we see through Jesus that all people can be blessed, not because of any human effort, but because of the work of Christ. That all people can be forgiven, not because of any human effort, but because of the death and resurrection of Christ. And all people can be grafted into this promise, not because of any human effort or lack thereof, but because of their faith in Christ. And Jesus was the light, is the light of the world, the light of the nations, the one who is perfectly able to fulfill the promise given by God. And through our faith, we are grafted into that promise of blessing. We are grafted into having an intimate relationship with God that then we can pour out and share with joy with others. And what I love is we looked at the beginning of Matthew 1 highlights this idea that Jesus is in the line of Abraham and he is fulfilling the Abrahamic, pro- uh, Abrahamic promise perfectly. And then at the end of Matthew, we get something that's very similar to what sort of God was pushing um, the Israelites to do. And we get the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I love this because it remind, like we've received this blessing because of Christ in our life. So we are grafted into this promise, but we've given the same responsibility in sharing and allowing that to overflow. The blessing doesn't come from us. The blessing comes from our connection to God. So we receive this ultimate blessing, and we are now given a privilege, and we are given a responsibility. And our privilege is that we know the good news. We know a life that is different a life that is being transformed by Christ, a life where we are finding healing and forgiveness, and our lives are now are being pushed from thinking of only ourselves to thinking of God and his ways and what he wants us to do. And because of Jesus, we are being transformed in that new way. And that is a privilege to experience that freedom, that freedom that our broken world is aching and longing for. But at the same time, because we have this privilege, we also have a responsibility to share that good news, to share with others. Jesus doesn't want our faith to be kept as some secret or some secret club that we like, this is my safe place. No, Jesus wants us to share this. He wants you, us to know, gosh, because you have been blessed, let's love others in a way that they get to experience and know this blessing that has changed your life dramatically. And so we allow this blessing we have received to overflow to those around us. And I love how um, 
Jesus, he doesn't just say, like, be a good example and be kind and nice. Yes, that's part of it. But he's actually wanting us to be a little bit more intentional. And Jesus brings up this idea of go and make disciples of all nations. And disciple making is not just about uh, getting someone to make a decision to follow Christ. I think sometimes we can be like, gosh, I'm going to care for that person until they follow Christ. Like, no. Disciple making, and Jesus modeled this to us, is a long haul journeying with people towards God. It's a long haul. It's the before, during, and after someone's willingness to follow Christ. It's more involved than anything else that we could do because it's being involved in someone's life because we care deeply about them and we want them to know the blessing that we have received and to continue to learn that. But, and uh, Jesus, what's great is he modeled this. Like he had his disciples for three years. He taught them his ways. He showed them his good news. He showed them his love and his truth. And then after he died and rose again and went up into heaven, he gave his Holy Spirit to us to continue to teach us, to continue to walk alongside us. And I go, gosh, that means that we get to, in disciple making, go and make disciples means we walk alongside people for the long haul. We walk alongside them together, growing in our knowledge and love of Christ. But I realize this. I realize that it takes boldness and courage. And I know that we do not live in an easy area to be a Christian. Like we, I came from the Midwest before where there are a lot of Christians. And now we live in an area where if you were to say you're a Christian, there's some people that might be awkward, that might be nervous, that maybe will be, um, won't share things with you or maybe hang out with you less. Like it's not sometimes easy to be a Christian. And I get it. Like I'm a millennial with friends that are walking away um, from any sort of religion or reject it completely. Like, and it's awkward sometimes when I'm like, I'm a pastor. Um, so I get that. <laughs> like I have people that don't understand that. And I, I work with Gen Z who has, I think, the biggest stack against them when it comes to desiring to follow Christ, desiring to follow something bigger than them. Like, I am blown away by them every day trying to navigate what it means to follow Jesus because there are a lot of odds stacked against them and a lot of people don't like what they're choosing to do. And I want to share an encouragement when it comes to um, this understanding of just pouring out this blessing that we have, going and making disciples and being in the long haul, um, is... We invite our students every time to invite your friends to youth group. Invite them to come and check out what we're doing. And a lot of times students are like, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm too scared for the judgment that I'm going to get at school. I'm too scared about how people are going to view me the moment they know I'm a Christian. Like, it's too much. Um, and some of them are go, no, no, she they go, Shelly, this is my one safe place. I don't want to bring some of that chaos into here. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But I, there's this one student that I've just been so encouraged by um, this year. Her name is Story. And behind me here, this is the eighth grade class. And um, come about a year ago, the eighth grade class was maybe made up of five or six students that showed up consistently. Um, and, they, and so Story, um, here she is. She's been showing up faithfully every week to youth group. She's been receiving this blessing of Christ. She's been receiving and knowing tasting and seeing the good news of God. And so instead of holding that blessing to herself as a secret club or a secret place, or this is just for me in my heart, story about six months ago decided, you know what, I'm going to invite some of my friends to youth group. 
And she literally, we grew from like six consistently showing up to about 18 showing up, which is incredible. And when I asked one of the eighth grade guys, I was like, dude, it's crazy how your class grew. And he goes, it was single-handedly story. Because story was bold and courageous to go, you know what? I have received this blessing. I get this intimate relationship with God that has changed my life. And I want others to experience that too. And so she stepped outside her comfort zone. She invited people in and it changed their life. And here's the deal. For me, it's not about the number of students that showed up. It's not about the number. Like to me, I go, gosh, God, you're blessing that. To me, what has impacted me most with this story is the fact that at the end of the year, our eighth grade celebration, it was what these eighth graders reflected. It was what they reflected because they were invited into this space to experience God's good news, to have some her, their small group leaders, Ashton and Matt, walk alongside them, answer their questions week in, week out, checking in on them. They reflected at the end that they experienced something here that they have never experienced before, that they had a new freedom, a new story, a new confidence, that they felt here love in places that they'd never felt before. They had freedom in ways that they didn't feel free before. And so I, it, because of Story's willingness to step out, and that idea of going and making disciples is first starting with the invitation for someone and then being willing to walk alongside them in their journey and in their questions. Because Story was willing to do that, we have a whole bunch of eighth graders that have now experienced and got an opportunity to experience God's blessings and his good news. And I think that, to me, is so sweet. And what God is wanting us to do, he is wanting us to take the blessing that we've received and to pour that out, that knowing that intimate relationship, that knowledge and experience that we have. He wants us to look at others and to pour that out because they're looking for it too. And so I want us to end our time with this question. If you've received the blessing of the good news, then who could you pour out this blessing to? Because through faith in Jesus, we receive God's promised blessing to Abraham and his descendants. And being part of the church, we have this privilege of having this intimacy. When you say yes to Jesus, you're grafted in that promise. So you have this intimacy with Jesus who's transforming your life every day, slowly but surely. It's a new freedom. It's new forgiveness. It's a new story. And it, but we also have this responsibility to not keep that to ourselves but because of the joy and the love we have for others, the joy we have for Christ, we want that to overflow into others, into our communities, our friends, our neighbors, so that they get to experience what you have experienced. So that all the people on earth will be blessed through Jesus. That all the people, the blessing we have received, would outpour into every part of our world. Because as Ben talked last week, gosh, there's so much brokenness. And people are looking for hope. And Jesus has come to bring that hope. So I want you to think about in this next worship song who it is that you can walk alongside to invite in, to be in their life for the long haul journey for them to know Christ, the before, during, and after their willingness to follow Jesus. And that's the good news, I think, when I read this Old Testament story is God made a promise that he would bless Abraham. And through Abraham, we have Jesus and through Jesus, we are grafted in this promise of blessing that we now get to overflow who Jesus is to the rest of the world. And that is good news. So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to um, ask the worship team to come out as we sit in this question and sit in worship, um, praising out to God.
So Jesus, I thank you so much um, that you have from the beginning, you have known that you have a plan to bless the whole world. And you started with one man and one nation and through Abraham's descendants came Jesus, the greatest and ultimate blessing that we could ever receive, who has given us forgiveness, who has given us a new story, who has transformed our lives, Lord, and it's a privilege to have that intimate relationship with you. And Jesus, I ask that you would continue, your Holy Spirit would continue to guide us on how we can pour that blessing out to others, how we could share the good news. We can go and make disciples by inviting people and walking along people and sharing your truth and knowledge with others. So Lord, be with us this week as we dive into your word. Be with us this week as we continue to pray about who it is that you're putting on our heart to pour out to. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you for your ultimate blessing. In your awesome and truly precious name, amen.